Hello and welcome to And The Winner Was. My name is Joel Winstead and this is my journey. I'm watching every Best Picture winner in order, starting in 1927 with Wings. And with each episode, I'll be covering a different film with a different guest with me today. For the second time is Daryl Mansell, film critic for now. If you're listening to this in the future, uh, he's just a regular ass citizen at this point. <laughs> That's right. Maybe they call a, me Mr. Maybe Gibbs. A, maybe a screenwriter. Maybe a script. I might be, uh, depending on when this goes up, I, I might have hit the lottery by now, in which case I would deny ever knowing you and had done this podcast. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me on, man. The black guy yeah. has reappeared to reinstate his dominance <laughs> on this episode. Uh, unfortunately, guess who's coming to dinner did not win, so I will not be back on another episode of this show. No, well, I think I, I think I snagged you for Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Just, just, just keep me on those good social topic movies. I'm, I'm here for. Um, <laughs> uh, I think you're here for Godfather too, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like whenever, man. Whenever you uh, invite me, I'm going to be here because I love all my movies. Obviously, uh, uh, we're friends. Big fan of what you do and this show. So I'm always going to say yes whenever you want to invite me on. All right. I paid him twenty dollars to say that. All right. So mm-hmm. today we are talking in the heat of the night. Nominated. For seven Academy Awards, winning five, including Best Picture, um, written by Sterling Sterling Silifant, based on the novel by John Ball, directed by Norman Jewison, starring Mr. Tibbs himself, Sidney Poitier, Rod Steiger, Warren Oates, Lee Grant, Larry Gates, uh, and our good friend Scott Wilson shows up there for a minute. Um Coming out in 1967, which was a pretty hot year for Mr. Poitier. Um, and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit. But he had guests who's coming to dinner this year, um, as well as my notes are not working. Oh, no. uh, 1967, he had guests coming to dinner in the night and to Sir with Love. Um, Damn. Yeah. I mean, he had a run. Yeah. Yeah. The James Claval joint. Um, so. You know, Poitier running the table in 1967. We'll get into a little bit about how he wasn't nominated for anything. Um, but it was 67 in White Hollywood, so it's, there's that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that tells its own tale. <laughs> but this is a movie. This is a movie that I had always heard of. I'd always wanted to see. Um, never, never got around to it. So one of the reasons I'm doing this whole thing is to watch these movies. So this is my first time, but I know that you, this is not your first time. No, this is not my first time. Like, like, uh, like you, like we were saying right before we started recording, this is one that I'd heard forever. Like, like this is one of the ones that you have to watch. Like as a black person who loves movies in the heat of night is like, it's on the Mount Rushmore of like black dramas for a lot of people. Um, and when uh, Criterion had one of its sales, I was like, okay, now's the time I really need to need to scoop this up and give it a watch. And it is almost better than advertised. Like I love everything about this movie. Uh, this is probably my, my fourth, fifth time I've seen it since I picked it up. And I continue to enjoy little bits of it every single time I watch this movie. Nice. Yeah, I think I, I didn't know what to expect. I just I knew that I knew that it was about race and I knew that he was a detective. And that's all I really knew. 
Um, so did you know of the show that came out of this? I knew there was a show, and I knew that that Poitier wasn't in the show. Like he, you know, no. Um, but apparently, there's two sequels that he's that he is in um, to yeah. this film. Um, yeah, I think he's got. A, they call me Mister Tibbs, and I don't know what the other one. Is. It's called like the organization, I think. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, they yeah. kind of came and came and went. You know, they don't really. When people talk about Poitier, they don't talk about the two uh, sequels very much. But. No, no, they no, they don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, when I you know, so I first I was kind of looking into this movie and, and reading about it and studying it, and like, so the director is Norman Jewison, who. Mm-hmm. Um, who's still with us today. Uh, but like at the time, you know, he wasn't like, I don't know. This, this is a pretty hot, pretty hot film. You know, it's got a lot going on. There's, there's a lot of, um, at the time there's a lot of political unrest. This is right around the time of Dr. King. And actually, as a matter of fact, uh, he was assassinated, uh, and they had like moved the Oscars. (laughs) Um, so like, this is all happening right around then. Um, but yeah, I think this movie comes out in like August and he gets assassinated in April 4th, if I remember correctly. So it's like not even a year span after, you know, right. this movie coming three years after the Civil Rights Act and all that kind of stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, it shows you exactly where we are. This is a great snapshot in American history. Right, right. And so there's a, there's a couple of things, and we'll talk about it later, that, that kind of like are indicative of that. Um, but like Norman Jewison before this was like, you know, he had done like a Judy Garland special. He did like some Broadway stuff. Um, and then later on, Jewison will have done like the OG Thomas Crown Affair, like the 68 Thomas Crown Affair. Um, he does like Fiddler on the Roof and Jesus Christ Superstar and like Rollerball. And he's like, he's not really a director. I wouldn't necessarily qualify him as like an auteur. Um, you know, like those, those, those films of his that I've seen, I, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, that's a this is a Jewish joint. You know, I can his fingerprints are all this. He's kind of like a you know uh it's almost like a hired gun, like hey, Jewish, almost like a hired ahead. gun, but like he yeah. really he he elevates, you know what I mean? It's not like a Joel Schumacher thing, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> or you know what I mean? Like, I'm just thinking of directors that like did a lot with a, a bunch of different genres, and you could never like Joel Schumacher did like Phantom of the Opera and he did like Batman Forever. So like it's you know what I mean. And and yeah. Norman Jewison, I feel like it's kind of like you know, in that pocket. Um, yeah, it just kind of goes where the wind takes. I'm like, what is this? This sounds interesting. Yeah, but I think that where where that differs, obviously, from Schumacher is that Schumacher had some great films, but but I think the the films of Norman Jewison, um, they're just elevated more. But you wouldn't be able to be like, oh yeah, this is this is a film that, that Norman Jewison did. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean. You know, when you when you have a movie like this that's specifically about race, specifically about race in the South, um, you know, having a white director, I don't know, maybe not off to a, a good start. Hollywood in the sixties. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Someone made a good point. Uh, hold on a second. That, that like, if you're gonna have a a, a white director talking about the black experience, mm-hmm. the Jewison was your guide because he also did uh Hurricane. Right, the Hurricane. Help. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's there's something else in there that's like, okay, well, you know, he he, he, he kind of kinda of gets it, man. He yeah. can he can put a story through the African American lens. Right. Right. Uh, 
quite unlike anyone else at that time that was not African. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and they're, you know, they, they, the people that were behind this film, they really were doing what they could, you know, like in 1967. Like this was the, the first major Hollywood film in color that was lit properly with consideration for an actor with dark skin. Um, Haskell Wexler, the cinematographer, recognized that like standard lighting used in film produced too much glare. Uh, on most black actors in their darker complexion. So he toned on the lighting mm-hmm. into future Sydney Poitier with, you know, they, they were, they were trying, they were, they were thinking outside the white box, you know, and, um, um, you know, yeah, I, I yeah, still, yeah. I still have some problems because, you know, Rod Steiger, who's, who's, I mean, he's a great actor. Rod Steiger is a great actor. And, uh, uh, I have, I, seen him i was kind of blown away on the waterfront he plays uh, mm-hmm. marlon brando's brother and on the waterfront and they have that great scene together that could have been a contender like that whole thing so steiger is like he's like hollywood royalty at this point and you know sydney portier is definitely the lead and he's he's got the arc he's got the story he's like the man um but steiger's chief of police mr gillespie there <laughs> You know, he's just, he's like a racist cunt and he's not nice. <laughs> and he always has to, you know, he, he, he does begrudgingly like accept his help, but only because like of the situation that he's in and, and he's always trying to get rid of Tibbs and he's always calling him son or any other terrible name. And, um, he gets nominated and wins this, this award. He, he wins best actor this year for this role. And <laughs> I just feel it's like Hollywood, yeah, they just missed the whole point. And Sidney Poitier didn't even get it, get it nominated, but he did have yeah. those three other films. And so everyone's like, well, he, you know, he split the votes between the three films. I'm like, get out of here. But no, I, um, I just, I, there was a point where I'm like, are they about to make this guy look like the good guy? Like, are they about to like, like, is Gillespie about to come out like look looking like Green Book? You know what I mean? Like, like is that what's about to happen here? They, they uh, kind of flirt with the idea. Yeah, um, I mean, he still oh. never like completely changes, but like they have that moment when they're like getting drunk in his apartment that night, and he does like stand up for him or whatever. You know, yeah, that's the closest I feel like they get with kind of humanizing him. And yeah. at the very end, uh, not really, I'm not going to say that they come to respect each other, but they come to understand uh, each other a little bit more by the end of it. But yeah, I feel like they they, they flirt a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit too much uh, of like, you know. Like trying to redeem, redeem. Yeah, yeah. Doing a little bit of redemption arc for Gillespie. And mm-hmm. like, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I feel like he should have, First of all, he should have been put in his place. Like you mean, like there, there needs to be more of a com- a comeuppance for Gillespie. Like mm-hmm. there should have been more of, if they were going to go that route. And I still don't think he should have been. There should have been any kind of redeeming moment because he was, you know, he is racist from the time he started till the time he ended. Like he never was not racist. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. That's my issue with some people when they criticize uh, character arcs in movies of like they there's no there's no change. I'm like you understand this movie takes place in like a weekend, right? Like three days, <laughs> no one's making major changes like that. Right? Matter of days. And I right. think 
in the heat of the night is like maybe three or four days long. Yeah, um, yeah. They don't really specify all that much, but yeah, it's 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 no time to give that character time to change. And right. Like you said, he's just as bad at the very right. end. It's just right. a man a little bit smarter than all the other right. cops. Smarter right. to know that he's in over his head. He was able to eat his racism for like a weekend so that he could get the help that he needed. Job done. Yeah. <laughs> right. But when it, when he, yeah, every chance that he got though, he was, yeah. Yeah. I just, I didn't yeah, like that. There's all were, boys and sons all right. throughout. Hey, boy, 100%. Son. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and worse than that. Um, you know, uh, but and so I mean, everyone in this small little town is racist as fuck. And, um, which was the sign of the time. Sidney Poitier insisted that the movie be filmed in the North because of an incident that him and Harry Belafonte had. Um, they were almost killed by the Ku Klux Klan when they visited Mississippi before this. Um, yeah. That's why Sparta, Illinois was chosen. Um, but either way, the, the filmmakers and the actors that did eventually briefly have to go into Tennessee um, for the outdoor scenes for the cotton plantation because there ain't no cotton plantation in Illinois. Um, yeah. And Poitier slept with a gun under his pillow during production in Tennessee. And he did, he still got death threats from racist cunts in Tennessee. Uh, and so they had to cut the shoot short and they had to return to Illinois. Um, yeah. Uh, I got pulled over in Tennessee once and I was like, boy, I really hope this isn't it for me. <laughs> I, I, I'm laughing because I, it's, I 100%. Uh, yeah. I mean, they were still like sundowning in Tennessee fucking 20 years ago. So, um yeah 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 uh yeah it's uh it 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 takes a, a giant leap of faith to to stand he drew his line, line in the sand he was like hey you want me to shoot this movie yeah cool i'm not going down south and and yeah. to for the sake of the film mm-hmm. all right just this once i'm gonna go down to right you know past right. the mason dixon line or whatever and right and, it was exactly still, what he thought still. it would be. It was exactly yeah. what he thought it would be, 100%. And if he had made it all the way to Mississippi, I'm sure it would have been a hell of a lot worse. Um, yeah, we went had a whole different ending. <laughs> um, but, uh, and that's like my whole, that's my whole issue with Green Book is the, see, it's not so bad. It's like, no, it's fucking terrible. Are you kidding me? No, never uh, bothered to watch it. Uh, you're not missing much. They eat pizza together and, uh, you know, black and white together. Was oh, fixed. there you go. Just, it was just <laughs> Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Just <laughs> That's exactly right. But they healed it. Yeah. Um, but, but I do, I do respect, I do respect the fact that they did, that they made this in 1967. Um, and it feels like they really had some input. There was obviously no, like the writer, the director, um, I didn't look at every single producer, but it seemed like it was all white across the board. And so for it to have the scenes that it did, there there was obviously some input by by Poitier. And there's a scene, there's conflict, conflicting reports, but there's a scene when they go into in the plantation to uh, confront uh, Mr. Indicott. Um, Mr. Indicott is uh, super racist and... Um, has essentially slaves and uh, racist statues in his yard and is seething in anger that he has to even talk to, to a black man, to Mr. Mr. Tibbs and uh, Tibbs insinuates that they're looking, they're looking at him for the murder. 
and Endicott slaps him. And then like right away, no hesitation, Tibbs goes pow. Like it was like pow, pow. Uh, and just slapped him right away. And uh, and, and Portier, the rumor, the story goes, and Portier said in, in interviews that, that he made sure that that was put in there. Because originally it was supposed to get hit and he was supposed to like not hit him back and he was supposed to you know he be did. like the strong silent you know whatever but he was like no nah, man I would, I would hit him back i would out smack him right back no hesitation uh and i think it's even better and then and then they leave and then Kat starts crying because he's a little bitch but uh i just yeah I, I those kind of touches those kind of things um you know <laughs> they matter yeah yeah, it's it's after the way I look at it is you can you can only take it for so long, and like right. from the moment that they walk in on him at the train station, all of a sudden he's just he's just getting shit on the entire time, and then that that is really the only like real physical I guess well no no it's not the only because he has to fight those white guys in that warehouse, but uh but yeah like up until that point man he just been kind of taking it and finally it's just like. No, I'm I'm done with this. I'm not going to take a, a slap in the mouth. Here's this. There's this two right. piece with this biscuit, and you're you're going right. to know what I'm about after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that held true, you know, for his character across the board. And then he does get chased by the four white dudes, and then Gillespie, the the white savior, like lets it happen for like a beat and a half, and then he's like, "All right, all right," but he's like, all right, all right. "Should I let this guy die first. right now?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so so terrible, so terrible. But one of the scenes that I really liked a lot was when they brought the body into the morgue and and they were looking at it and they brought Tibbs in to inspect it. And the camera went to lengths to show Tibbs' black hands touching that white body um, mm-hmm. and moving mm-hmm. it around and. Uh, Picking up the and hand, looking at it. Picking nails. up the hand, and like it was very, very conscious, like zooming in, like here's a black hand touching a white dead body, you know, like. Um, yeah, yeah, look at it, it, America. Exactly, exactly. And like, you know, like start squirming in your seat, please. You know, like I, I liked that. And then, um, you know, even Tibbs was like, he didn't like straight up calm an idiot, you know, but he was like, <laughs> I would think that like, you know, there's some rigidity there. I think that rigors, wouldn't you say that rigor has already started? You know, like, right? Yeah, I think that might be my favorite scene of the movie because it does a couple of things. Like, one, like you were saying, like, it really puts it up front on the screen of, like, look at all this mixture of black and white on the screen. But two, it shows just how smart he is. Like, that, that scene mm. is his bona fides, establishing mm. his bona fides, and that he's really good at what he does. But also, mm. it shows that he's got a little smart and grace to not accuse right. this doc of being an idiot, but leaving <laughs> this doc a back door to, right. uh, to yeah, yes, I 100% concur right. with that thing. But that then everyone in the room knows that he knows his shit, though, you know, right from there. Yeah. And then the stinger at the end where he's like, where can I wash my hands? Cause he's not asking like, cause he sees that sink, but he's like, are y'all going to let me wash my black hands at the sink? Or am I going to have to go to some other sink somewhere else? Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I just, that whole, that whole entire time. I was, I don't know. It was a great scene. Great scene. In I it. think it's the best scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it really showcased like, and it was kind of earlier, somewhat earlier on. And I was like, okay, they're gonna, you know, I'm not going to pull their punches. Um, 
yeah, yeah. They're they're they're, they're gonna let them cook a little bit here. They're gonna let yeah. them do thing. Um, forensically, what, what did you think of- putting your hands oh, on a body probably not the best thing, but you know we did. <laughs> they hadn't learned yet. No, no, you're just leaving evidence all over the place, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm lucky they didn't turn around and be like, look at this black man's evidence here. This is all we need to lock him up. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just throw some gloves on next time is all I ask, sir. Uh, what did you think about the whole mystery in this movie? Because to me, it almost just doesn't really matter. No, I know. And that's the thing is like, part of me, part of me, like, uh, maybe knocked it down a star and a half star. Because, like, the whole, the, the mystery of it all was... Not great, you know. It's not a great, not a great mystery. Like the the when they resolve it. I mean, it, I love the procedural stuff. Like I love him try to solve the case, even though we've got this whole town of white people after him and they hate him, and he's still going to do it because it's just a matter of like, it's a matter of pride. It's a matter of putting, you know, like he's a police officer first and foremost, so he's going to put all the nonsense aside and he's going to do what he was trained to do, what he wants to, do, you know, be a cop. Is it a matter of pride or is it a matter of ego? Because I think uh, uh, Gillespie does call him out on that. Like you, you know, he you're does. smarter than us, and I yeah. think that's that's his. That's that's his how he gets him to stay. Off. When Tibbs was like yeah. gonna go, he was like at the train station, gonna go. Gillespie was like, "You're not gonna want to. You're not gonna want me to finish this out. Like you're gonna want to do yeah. it. Yeah, 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 you're gonna want to do it. You want to show that big brain of yours off. See, the one thing that Tibbs isn't a professional at is." Pettiness, because I would have hopped <laughs> on that train and been like, "Unsolved oh, mysteries, motherfuckers." One hundred percent. Yeah, let all the white people die. I yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but you know who who ends up doing the murder and why they end up doing the murdering and all that was just like was okay and like Indicott, um, you know, and I don't you know I don't know. Obviously, it's not the point. The point of the movie is you know. The, the examination of race relations at this time, especially, you yeah. know, because even like, you know, the entire time Tibbs is, he's dressed extremely well. He's, pre- he's presenting himself extremely well. Like, um, he knows his shit. He's, he's very confident. Um, he's always poised. Mm-hmm. Um, and they still treated him like absolute garbage trash. Uh, um, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, something that that people in black community have been told since they're kids is you got to do double work to get half the respect, and and just the way he's poised, the way he presents himself, the way he methodically goes about this case, I think is clear examples of him trying to do double just to be seen as half less, not even equal. Um, mm. And I think that's a shiny thing all throughout. It's it is just a shame that that. <laughs> case that he's working just isn't all that interesting. No, I yeah, think if you, if you no. give this like a... Like this, I guess you could kind of put this in a noirish genre if you were feeling generous. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you give this like a classic like noirish type mystery, then this is a five-star movie. Yeah, yeah. I, just because like, yeah, noir is more about like mood and 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 yeah, things like that. Uh, temperature, you know. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, did you catch? Did you recognize Scott Wilson? Yes, yes, I did. Yeah, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, Herschel from *Him*, *The Walking Dead*. Uh, I knew, I saw his name in the credits, and I was like, "Oh shit!" 
was like, I was like, I, was like, I, was like I, wonder, I wonder if it's the same Scott Wilson. Uh, and I was watching it, and then like his character came out of the screen, and and I it hadn't done yet. And then there was a scene where there's like a close up of his face and his eyes, and I was like, oh, there he is. He's been on screen yeah, for the yeah. last 15 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I, I had also seen his name in the credits, and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna Google this real quick to see if that's yeah. that. And I'm like, all right, so I was kind of looking for him when I did uh-huh. this rewatch uh, for the podcast, uh-huh. and I was like, okay. Yeah, you get a smooth, yeah. smooth uh, it's almost like hook. You got to smooth the wrinkles off of his face. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, there, there he is. Oh, okay. Yeah, no beard. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he 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 was great. I, I like the um, the surrounding characters, even the uh, the creepy um, deputy um, that is like creeping on the girl with her tits out, and then. Yeah. Um, the there's like the there's like a, the bumbling idiots in the office of of the police office that are like just a bunch of Barney fives. Um, <laughs> That's exactly and, what they are. Like you guys are set dressing. <laughs> yeah, just dum dums. And then um, uh, the 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 guy that ends up being the killer, the the diner guy, um, mm-hmm. he's always like messing with the cop. And I kind of like liked that because I hated that cop. Like, I was an idiot, you know, a racist fool. And yeah. he kept like hiding the pie from him. And he was like dancing and being like all kooky and weird. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of vibing with this guy. And it turns out he's the killer. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Way to vibe with the murderer. <laughs> I don't think that's the intended effect they were going for in this movie. No, he was supposed Here to be creepy, are. but I'm just like, all right, let's go. All right, yeah. <laughs> Get that pie, baby. Yeah, <laughs> isn't that like the uh, the first scene is is him and the cop at the diner? I think it's like yeah. one of the first scenes is him and the cop at the diner. Yeah, like, I think that's how, like yeah, he's like hitting trying to get the flies with the rubber band or whatever he's doing. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, all right, this guy's fucking with the cop. Yeah, he must be one of the good guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, so, no, no, he's not. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I think that. I think that if if there was a more fascinating mystery, though, I think it would have maybe been more about that, and it, and it would have overshadowed kind of what it was there to do. Um, That's a good point. I didn't ever think about it like that. I wonder if I, I mean it's something that it's an unanswerable question of like if it came with like a more heat of right. a mystery, and they're like, now nah, we got to right. this shit down because it's overpowering what we want to do with this story. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it, yeah, it kind of it kind of has to simmer. In order yeah. for the relationship between Portier and Steiger to really cook, I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, and I thought that they played like great with each other, uh, the Steiger and Portier. And like, I mean, Steiger's, you know, like I say, he shared the screen with Brando, and, and you know, he he can hold his own. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chewing, I think chewing his gum. But I, I told you, I, we, we were chatting about it beforehand. That that gum is best supporting actor. The way he works that over, man. I, I'm not. I, I would. Love to know whose, um, whose idea that was. Well, I can oh, tell just... you. So the director told him that wanted him to start to like chew gum a lot, like as a thing. Okay. And Steiger was like, ah, I'm not gonna do that. Um, but he, <laughs> he did it a couple of times to like please Jewison, and, and um, and then pretty much he could kind of see, you know what the director was talking about. And then he started like really liking it. And so he ended up going through something like 267 packs of gum, uh, throughout the entire shoot, uh, 263 packs of gum during shooting. 
brother. I, I believe it the way he works that gum over, man. I was like, because I chew a lot of gum at work, and I'm like, I gotta get on this dude's level, man. I'm not, I'm not going hard enough in the paint like Rod Steiger. <laughs> He's going after. It. Yeah, 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 it's it's a very weird character choice for him. Um, yeah, it's like a nervous energy. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah, like. I, the only person I can think of that chews gum like that in a movie nowadays is Matt Damon. Matt Damon was famed for his gum chewing for a minute, but nothing on the on the on the level of this. And it's it's just stuff like that that's like I always wonder when I'm seeing looking at like weird character affectations in movies. And I'm like, whose mm-hmm. whose idea was this? Was this the actor's idea? Was this the writer's idea? Was this a, a note from the studio? Right. It just right. It, it gives the character a little bit more of a depth. Yeah. And, you know, I look through, I look at these movies all through, there's just the lens of the best picture winners that have come before it. I know that there's been mm-hmm. plenty of movies up until now that have had, you know, what they have to say about race. They've had nudity. They've had, you know, f- super foul language. Um, and this, this film, because like right before this is a man for all seasons, which is like mm-hmm. a very, you know, it's like a period drama. It's a little stuffy. Um yeah. It's like a costume, you know, like it's about like religion <laughs> um, and like this guy sticking to his guns of like morality. Um, and then and then before that, you have The Sound of Music and My Fair Lady, which is oh, like yeah. classic Hollywood Broadway. Like Yvonne Trapp. Yeah. Oh, what a snack he is, though. And <laughs> <laughs> like, there's there's just like these, you know, the typical Hollywood trappings you know um and then you go before that and like there's a couple of like glimpses and glimmers of what hollywood will be and what it'll it'll turn into um like Mm -hmm. tom tom jones is is pretty like quote-unquote filthy like there's a lot of sex and double entendre in there um more so than any other film had up to that point and so when i'm watching in the heat of the night from the first from the beginning just with its with its the way it was filmed the modern day they're like the present day like police and detective stuff and then and then like right like you right away you see a girl with no top on um yeah. pretty quickly and i was like okay wow we're getting into it now like the you know that haze code windowsill getting in the way man. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so mad at that window so i've never been more mad at an inanimate object in my life <laughs> uh yeah you and the cop and um <laughs> But it was so, you know, we're really kind of turning a corner. And I know that pretty soon here is going to be the Vietnam War. And then after that, everyone just gets jaded as fuck. And then all the movies just get crazy. <laughs> you know, you know, they make <laughs> yeah, all yeah. kinds of nonsense. Um, You're at about a turning point at this. At, at a turning point. after Right after this movie, 1968, is the movie Oliver. The It's a two and a half hour musical. Um, yeah. And then after that, it's Midnight Cowboy, which was rated X. Um, and it tells you um, everything you need to know. And it tells you everything you know, because then after that, it's The Godfather, it's The Sting, it's One Flew Goose Nest, it's French Connection. It's it's all it's the seventies, baby. Yeah, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited to get into it. Um, but you can just tell it. This is where it's at that tipping point. You know, there's you know, there's the the Hayes Code has crumbled down. You know, they can't they can't tell. You know. I'm sure they still were. There was plenty that they were telling them that they couldn't couldn't do. But basically, the yeah. the, the Catholic, the evangelical morality, you know, of the day is is about gone. Is about to get yeah. Yeah, at this point, you've you you're it was 1968, so you're a good like 
shit, 15 years really past the golden age of Hollywood yeah. when all that stuff is going on. Now you're getting into more like the, I don't know, I want to say the more realistic age, but. but yeah, things, well, like new Hollywood's have... about to come like bursting through the door, you know, and then all the, yeah. the then it's the whole like the Palma Spielberg, Scorsese, like the whole, the whole period of, you know. Of dopeness. Of just like a, yeah, it's just the, the new the new guard, you know, the old guard is still like fighting, you know. They you know, we got we got in the heat of the night and they're like, No, Oliver, Oliver Twist, we love Oliver and we love musicals. <laughs> and we're like, nah, midnight cowboy, we're doing gay sex now. Like, let's go. Yes. <laughs> on old shit, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like no more Howard Hawks is out of the damn near adaptation at this point. John Ford is right. around. Uh, so yeah, right. this is this is right now this weird transitional period. But yeah, we're about to get into the people that we now consider to be like obviously the old guard, the old goats. Is this is an interesting yeah. time? And looking at yeah. what this was up against, Jesus, hey, this is a murderous yeah. real movie. It it really is. Like 1968 was was pretty crazy. I mean, and you know there was stiff competition all around. Like you should see the people that Rod Steiger beat out to to win best actor leading role. I'm looking at it right now, man. The Graduate, cool. I mean, Paul Newman for cool. Yeah, Paul Newman, cool. And Luke, yeah, Warren Beatty for Bonnie and Clyde, Spencer Tracy, freaking Dustin Hoffman, uh, and The Graduate. Yeah. Like there's there's a lot going on. Um, but but still, just there's the fact the fact that that this was what this is the film that Hollywood was like. This is the one that we're, we got, we're putting our weight behind it. We're, we're, you know, the people that were voting at the time were, this was the one that, uh, you know, right now. So like Bonnie and Clyde was, was nominated, which is the warm day. You know, it's like, it's pretty, you know, pretty intense for 1968. You know, it's, it's dark, you know, and then there's Dr. Doolittle, um, <laughs> you know, Rex here. Person from My Fair Lady and you know Richard Attenborough doing their weird thing, um, and then there's The Graduate, which is like a seminal work, you know. And then yes, guess, who's, guess who's coming to dinner? Which is like, what if I dated a black guy? And America was not ready for that movie. <laughs> not ready for it. Not ready for it. But what the well the thing that that sucks about this whole thing. So in 1967, Sidney Poitier starred in three of the biggest pictures of his career. Two of which. And he did not, and guess who's coming to dinner? Were nominated for Best Picture that year. Poitier was not nominated for either role, although his co-stars Rod Steiger and In the Heat of the Night and Catherine Hepburn, and guess who's coming to dinner? Both won their what awards. Do you know? And co and then Spencer Tracy and uh, uh, B Richards were nominated for Oscars as well for those films, and they didn't win. And the third big movie that year was Two Sir with Love, which. Uh, and that's why everyone's saying like, well, he, that year they just, they split the votes between, you know, those three movies. If he would have been just done one, he would have gotten the votes, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I mean, I, 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 that, that's, I, I mean, that's almost a believable argument. I mean, we're in 2024. We still talk about people from the same movie splitting votes, but if two star love is your favorite and in the heat of the night was your favorite performance. And I can, I right. can kind of see how he had split just based on preferences of which of those, Right, his joints, but but man, still a, a tough cop, rough beat for that dude, man. Right now, yeah, that and just like the fact that all his co-stars and all these movies were getting nominated yeah. and winning, and I don't know, just insult to injury. I that's, don't know. That's rough. That's rough. I forget what he actually won his Academy Award for. Uh, what Lilies of the Field? 
Really? Is that what it I want to say. I don't know. Am I wrong on that? Uh, I'm check that out. Uh, Lilies of the Oops. Field, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They should have <laughs> <Right. laughs> been in the heat. Like, hey, come on. What are we talking? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn, I'm um, <laughs> no. Um but yeah, I like like I was saying before, I think I think that if this was if this had like a, a more interesting or darker or grittier kind of feel to it, I think it would have taken away from from what they were trying to do with it. Um, you know, and like they call me Mr. Tibbs is an iconic line, it's always like, you know, number this line in all of lines of movies are, you know, eighteenth or nineteenth mm-hmm. place or whatever. But you know, a, as with some of these other lines, like you really understand why it's up there and why, because of the context. Because, like, I remember, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn, is like this huge line, and like it's a great line by itself. But then once you once you watch that movie in context, Gone with the Wind, um, you know, Scarlett's coming back trying to win over, <laughs> right, trying to win him over, and he, she's yeah, like, like throwing himself up. <laughs> she was, he was like, I don't give a damn, go, you know, and like <laughs> left her in the street. Uh, it's a great line, and, and then this line is great too because it packs all of that. Basically, you know, in the heat of the night, it packs all of that. What it's doing in that phrase, you know, because they've been calling him son, they've been calling him, you know, filthy, terrible names, and they're like, well, what do they call you at home? And he's like, they call me Mr. Tibbs. It's like, yeah, yeah. like. Oh man! Yeah, I remember the first time I'd seen this movie. Like I knew what the line was, and then he's like, what do, they, you know, "What do they call you up north?" And it was immediately it was the Leo meme. I was like, "He's about to say right. the line." He's about to say the line. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing, thing Mark. And yeah, it's uh, it, and it's a great line delivery. Um, another another line <laughs> that cracks me up is uh, when he goes, "Where are you from?" And he goes, "Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Mississippi." No. <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you not know where Philadelphia is, man? Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another, another thing that made me laugh was when uh, the chief of police brings him to the mechanic's house to fix him up with the car. And then he leaves him there. And then the guy was like, you want to stay with us? And he's like, no, I'll just get a hotel. And he starts laughing, grabs his briefcase, and starts walking towards the house like, this guy staying at the hotel. Yeah, that's this guy to understand where he is and what's going on right Mississippi now. right now, man. Yeah, I think that is the most ignorant he is in the movie. Like, as smart right. as you are and right. as good as you are at your job, how right. do you not realize that that would be the dumbest thing you could possibly You know, and that might just be that pride that you were talking about, too. Like, you know, just, you know, not wanting yeah. to stay at their house or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, it also could be that. It could be like, who's going to touch me? I'm a cop. And, you know, right, you know, right. The town doesn't fucking know that. Right. It's it's black a, every single person. In there, right. <laughs> and you got multiple cars of guys coming after you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I was, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say I was blown away by this movie, but I I mean, I, I really, really liked it a lot. Portier's uh, mm-hmm. Is so good. He's like, it's like one of those because again, I say this all the time. There was a, not a lot of actors, and they're starting to show their heads now. But there's not a lot of actors that were doing like, you know, methody kind of things. There was they were all like very theatrically trained, and they were all they were like marionettes up there. Um, mm. And then like Brando came on the scene and started doing you know his Meisner thing, and they're like there were there were there were you know peaks and and 
you know, people that were doing some stuff and, and um, there was not obviously an, it, of the best picture winners. There's not a whole lot of, there was not a whole lot of roles for black people um, that I have seen so far. And so to see just as a commanding presence and an actor who is, who is doing more than just kind of reciting his lines and he's like really living in the character um, and, and use in like interacting with, you know, people like Rod Steiger and um, help even more helping bring the character to life. I was really, it was really, I loved watching that. I loved watching um, yeah. Poitier act and, and, and bring it, you know, yeah, we hadn't got a whole lot of recognition uh, before this movie had what Hattie McDaniels for uh, for Gone right. Boy and uh, yeah. had to sit up in the fucking roof of the place to to accept her her nomination. Yep, um, she had to sit in the back by the by the kitchen. Yep, yeah, she had craft services hanging out with those guys. Uh, and yeah, and then we get uh, and then we get you know the powerhouse of a year that this dude has was pretty much like announces like. Oh, this guy's gonna be here for a while, and he's gonna be dope mm-hmm. for a while. And th- I really think that that Portier is the ambassador, was the ambassador for Black Hollywood. It's like once he, due to this year specifically, now some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, black people can do this just as good as white people can do this. Uh, and because he was, uh, as far as I know, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, relatively. Like scandal free. Like I don't remember hearing a whole lot about like City Boy was up there fucking forty five women all the same time. <laughs> no, like dude was just yeah. like the most yeah, clean yeah. cut professional. And I think yeah. he knew even back then that I had to be the I'm going to be the face of of you know right. a whole race of people. I'm going to come into white people's living rooms and theater. Well, not living rooms, but but theaters right. and and show them that hey, we're people too. We can a we can do this just as good, and b we. We also have stories to tell, and he's pretty dope in sneakers. Yeah, <laughs> he is pretty dope in sneakers. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I think I, I think all that is yeah, right on the nose. Um, but but again, I I didn't give this movie as many stars because I wasn't as invested of this in the story. But then you know we're talking about how that's not the point of the movie. But any anyways. Anyways, um, <laughs> what the what did you give this? What the out of the old five star rating? What out of the, out of the old five stars, I have it as as of right now, it's a three and a half out okay. of five. Yeah, that's what I have it as three and a half. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, like, I'm also very notoriously stingy with fours and fives. Oh, I'm uh, I'm not as stingy with fours and fives, but uh, like a four to like a four to me is like a five is a, a masterpiece. Like I, I don't you know. Cyrano gets that, you know. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that was common, dude. I would have put money on the fact that you were going to get to Cyrano. <laughs> uh, it's I'm contractually obligated to do that. Um, okay, yeah. But you know, but like Stone Stone Cold masterpieces, you know what I mean? And I mean, this movie is is it's so well done. Um, it really, and I didn't even talk about like the cinematography. I talked about it a little bit, but just like. Mm. You know, it's called In the Heat of the Night, and everyone's got sweat on their brow, and like it looks like a hot ass night that they're in. And it was actually cold out. You know, they had to like chew on ice so that their breath would they wouldn't people wouldn't see their breath on camera because uh, <clears throat> it was cold. Jesus, that um, didn't. <laughs> yeah, they filmed it in autumn in Illinois, so it was cold. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just it's it's just, it's a very solid film. I really liked it. Um, I didn't love the fact that um, Steiger's 
you know, Gillespie character. He, there's people that are like, he's a good guy, you know, <laughs> he's a good guy. He's like, nah, he's a piece of shit. Um, you said earlier, like, no comeuppance, but I can't think of of anything that would have served as other than, well, like, the mayor going in, get, like, I, hey, we're going to award this guy new mayor or the chief of the town now. Well, like, I mean, you could have, like, Poitier could have, like, you know, put him in his place, but, yeah. you know, that, I don't know if that's necessary. You know what I mean? Like, you should show him being an asshole and show him not not learning and show him being a racist fuck still you know what i mean like don't show okay yeah don't show a glimmer of like he respected him at the end you know what i mean it's just i don't know i yeah because yeah. yeah. you know like three weeks after that guy left he was calling all sorts of names and whatnot 100 the next day dude the <laughs> next day they're sitting around there talking about how they should have killed him while he was there yeah good movie man uh, I, it's one that i suggest everybody check out uh, at least once yeah, well, 100%. You know, I mean, there hasn't been, well, there has been, there's, there's been like two movies out of all these Best Picture winners where I'm like, y'all shouldn't watch this movie. Don't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking at Hollywood history, some Hollywood royalty, um, and one of the first, you know, African-Americans to, to, to really make a way for like solid character-driven acting for the African-American community. I mean, this is it. It, man. This is this is the one. This is the one. And and you get a little education on Rod Steiger, one of the best character actors I think there was around that time. Around that time, for sure. Yeah, Steiger. I mean, yeah, he's you know, I mean, just a few years before this was um, on the waterfront, and then from from that character to this character, I mean, it's like you wouldn't even recognize him. Great right. character actor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sweet. Any final thoughts? Did you get them all? Uh, yeah, just, just, just watch this movie, man. However you can get your paws on it, watch this movie, sit down and just pay attention to it. Just let it wash over you. Let it simmer. I think everything that, that Portier and Steyer are doing together is gold. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Portier mm-hmm. by himself commands the screen. Um, it's a good, it's a well paced. Like at no point was I ever checking my watch or looking at my phone or anything like that. Like I'm in, we talked about the story being a little bit weak, but I'm invested mm-hmm. enough in how he goes about solving this story. Cause it's about the character, right? Cause it's about the character, not about the story. And I think it's, it's, it's a damn fine movie. I think. Yeah. Agreed on all fronts. Excellent. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, also this movie, it's streaming ever. It's on max. It's, it's on some other streaming site. You can buy it on criterion, um, there's Blu-rays of it at fucking Walmart. Like you can get your hands on it. Mm-hmm. You can get your hands on it. Um, next week, me and Dalen are talking about Oliver. It's a musical, so Dalen or Wells, of course, gonna be back. You can rent that Hell digitally yeah. for a few bucks. It's nowhere to be found because that movie is boring. You can find this show on X at When It Was Pod on Facebook and the When It Was Podcast. I'm on letterbox find me over there email the show tell me what you think winner was podcast at gmail.com daryl where can people find you uh you can find me on uh at c delicious s-e-e-d-l-a-i-c-i-o-u-s uh that's it that's it don't look anywhere else for this man <laughs> don't don't look anywhere else for me uh you might find me in places you don't want to find me uh, no, yeah i'm on next i'm uh, i'm not uh, i'm not writing about movies anymore but i'm still over there you know getting throw my my two coins talking about movies from time to time whatever whatever hits my brain 
there it is. Uh, and thanks again for joining me. We'll see you in the future. Big thanks to Casey Townsend at Waterway Music for the intro and the outro music. You can find him at waterwaymusicnc.com. Bye-bye.